beautiful morning to you then. Thank you so much for choosing J101.9 FM. You're on to the show, Let's Talk, and where we discuss some issues happening around you and around the world, and we try to bring succor or solutions to them. Welcome to the show. My name is Abigail Seaman. Today is the fifth day in the month of April 2023. I want to say, oh, I want to believe that April is going um, as fast as it should go, not like the previous month that's we were kind of marching on and marching way too long. But welcome to another beautiful day right here in the city of Jaws. Um, a lot of conversations we'll be having today, a lot of things we will be looking at as um, officers and officials will definitely be exist- existing office um, May 29th. A lot of transitioning are happening and um, declarations of assets also are taking place. I will be discussing and also looking at governance, transparency, and accountability right here on the show to be sure if Nigerians know what they should be asking their officials who are about to leave office, their assets and things that they had promised and they had not been able to deliver. And we already have a guest in the studio with us this morning. But before we begin the conversation with him, um, one of the stories that we're looking at at the hour, post-election threats, Obi Dati Rick's treason charges, federal government warned. Now, the federal government said the Labour Party presidential candidate Peter Obi and his running mate Dati Baba Ahmed risked being persecuted for treasons over some of the utterances on the February 25th presidential election. The Minister of Information and Culture, Lai Mohammed, who gave the warning in Washington, United States, said Obi and Baba Ahmed's statements amounted to insurrections. He added that Obi and his running mates were inciting people to violence over the outcome of the poll, while the LP candidate and the People's Democratic Party refuted the allegations, describing them as reckless. Now, the PDP and the Labour Party warned the federal government against toying with the ideas of arresting the ex-governor of Anambra State. And since the all-progressive Congress candidate Ashwajibor Latinbo was declared as the president-elect, having pulled 8,794,726 votes to defeat the People's Democratic Party candidate Atiku Abubakar and Obi, uh, respectively, the LP candidate and his running mate have been faulting the electoral process. Now, despite filing petitions challenging the election result at the presidential election petition tribunal, Obi and Baba Ahmed have insisted on the cancellation of the poll, which they claimed was characterized by rigging and violence. And I'm joined by Emeka Missy this beautiful morning. Emeka, lovely morning to you. Good morning, Abigail. Good morning to all the listeners. Beautiful Wednesday morning. Um, Nigerian political scene continues to thrill us, continues to give us um, the Nollywood-esque drama that we've known it for. However, um, I think that we are still going in circles. Um, I think that at this point in our political journey, um, there are certain conversations I believe should not be had. But again, when it deals with politicians, when it, anything that deals with Nigerians generally, um, there's always the need to go back. There's always a need for distractions. But I hope that Nigeria are aware that all of the side distractions, all of the conversations, which in my opinion do not really move the polity forward, um, the conversations we're having of phone calls of, I don't want to use the word um, imagine, th- imagine them treasonable offenses because for me in my, in my head, um, the treasonable offenses are imaginary. Yes, some statements um, we're, we're unwelcoming, but the word treason seems like you know a heavy word to Very use heavy. on certain mm-hmm. things. But 
I think we should focus. Yeah, there's a whole lot more happening now. Before I came to the studio, I saw that a foreign direct investment for 2022 in the first quarter of 2022, first quarter rather of 2022, fell by 76%. So it means that people are not coming into the country to invest. We should be worried about those things. We should be worried about, you know, inflation rates. We should be worried about our economy going to the doldrums. We are worried about how much we are owing, you know, as a country and where we are going economically. All of these back and forth, who said what, who didn't say what, doesn't concern us. Whoever is, you know, sworn in on May 29th, it would have the job of fixing a country already in economic woes, a country whose um, identity has been threatened and is constantly being threatened by ethnic and religious bigotry, governing or leading the country where security is a main, insecurity is a mainstay. There's a whole lot to discuss. There's a whole lot for us to worry about. And I think this um, political gimmicks, yeah, we, should, we, should, we should focus. There's a lot more. Our economy, yeah, for me personally, <sighs> in the word of somebody, it did God hand. It's really in God hands. And this morning, we're joined by Mr. Luca Pampe. Lovely morning to you. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Yeah, good morning. And it's good to be on this platform once again after a long period of the campaigns and, and all that. Yes. Good morning to our listeners out there. We wanted you to rest from the um, hustle and bustling uh, yeah. of, of elections. Say exactly. You know, it's one phase that has ended, but mm. I think it was just. Uh, the end of another beginning, mm, <laughs> you know, true. as it were. As mm. We have governance in front of us that also need to put dots and cross the teeth, you know, and see how uh, it's able to deliver in terms of the mandate given. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your reaction before we go into the nitty-gritties of our discussions today. Yeah. Um, the post-election threats, Obidati risks treason charges federal government wants. What, what's your take on that? Uh, well, I think after some of us have volunteered comments about uh, the post-election at different uh, fora and different media, as it were. Mm. And my view has been that uh, we must be able to trek with caution. <laughs> mm. I think the laws are there. Uh, overheating the polity is not necessary. Yes, we knew that the electoral management body, and that's the Independent National Electoral Commission, uh, disappointed a lot of Nigerians. But I think we must also be circumspect about how we should be addressing the issues. If you have grievances, there are ways of ventilating, mm. you know, such grievances. But I think on the side of the federal government, there's no need to also respond uh, in the usage of very harsh words with regards to treason. Uh, treason is quite, uh, you it's know, a, heavy word. Uh, a capital, uh, you know, issue as it were. And mm. I think it reminds some of us that voted in the 1992 elections about what really happened on June 12, uh, 1993, uh, with the annulment of the elections. We knew, quite frankly, that uh, Moshut, uh, Kashima, Olawale, Abiola uh, was all over the place going to the United States, uh, making comments, you know, about uh, the military junta at that time. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he was accused. That was a military regime. But I think we shouldn't be repeating a bad history. This is democracy. And in a democracy, there is a way in which you can ventilate your grievances. Uh, Peter Obi and uh, uh, Baba Ahmed Dati also know better that there are means in which you can also ventilate your grievances. Mm. Uh, don't make uh, it, don't overheat the polity with quite a number of uh, innuendos that are neither here nor there because the cases are already before tribunal. Yes. And I think that uh, if you want to be meticulous about it, you should be able to put your facts on the table, <laughs> as it were. So I think the two sides should be uh, cautioned, uh, both Lai Mohammed uh, and then. Uh, the duo of uh, Baba Ahmed uh, Dati and uh, Peter Obi. 
so that at the end of the day, there are areas where they felt, as it were, because of the facts they are presenting before the tribunal, the mandate should also be recovered. All right. Mm. Um, so let's come now. We have um, the transition process. We're That's seeing right. for different offices and different parastatals transitioning, moving, because uh, mm. um, we were expecting the new government come May 29th, and we want to look at um, the governance transparency and accountability so far. Mm. Uh, we've seen that the previous government, just before they came into power, we had seen promises made. Um, we've seen even assets even declared before coming into office, mm. and now we're going to see them tender this um, assets to the Code of Conduct Bureau. Um, from your own end, um, do you see this um, as it's shaking the political space uh, because you you can tell that a lot of people will go into office with some certain amount and when leaving the amount you're wondering where those monies are coming from so do you see this as a welcome idea for them to declare the assets before they leave well i, I think the first step for me really is to ask the fundamental mm. uh is government a continuum <laughs> and really the answer is not far-fetched it's yes in the absolute yeah uh, government is continuity anybody that is coming is going to inherit both assets and liabilities of, <laughs> of the previous administrations mm. but on the other hand uh can we also say that previous or exiting administration are expected to pilfer what is left in the offices including curtains <laughs> in offices mm. including furniture and quite a number of things that in the ordinary sense, you say does not make sense, but it adds up to the process of transition mm. in the true sense of the word. Then you can say that the answer is no. If it is a continuum, it means that it should be built upon, uh, not to, to, shouldn't be started at fresh, uh, you know, from where they left off in yeah. the true sense of it. Mm. And so let's interrogate it and look at how these transitions have been. Uh, if you go back to history and you look at even from the colonial administration uh, to the Nigerians uh, during the Nigerianization process on 1st October 1960. You can understand clearly that, again, it, apart from the colonials uh, that handed over power without pilfering, you know, mm. except, of course, the natural resources, you can say that all successive administrations over time have had problems of transition from one level to another. And we don't need to interrogate from 1960 and 1966 to the military era right up to 1st October 1979 and 1983 when the General Muhammadu Buhari took over power. We saw clearly that immediately he came to office, he accused the Shagari administration of tempering with resources because fiscal accountability and transparency was not there. Mm. You remember that when he came into office <laughs> shortly in, 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 uh, in December of 1983, then in January of 1984, he set up a tribunal just barely two weeks coming into office and started pursuing the Shagari administration key players because he accused them of bad faith <laughs> at the end of the day. And I remember the likes of let uh, Solomon Dawshed Lar, our own elder statesman, who passed on with his own contribution. I remember some of them were handed over a prison term of about 100 years at that time. And mm -hmm. quite a number of them, because that government accused them. Then you step that up again, right into the defunct and the aborted Third Republic. You could also see that the transition process from the national level again was a problem. Mm -hmm. If you step it down to states like Plateau State, you could understand that when, for example, Tabgun, uh, Fidelis, uh, Nanmiab Tabgun was leaving office yeah. uh, under the SDP administration that time, there were also controversies about certain sale of certain public utilities. Mm. And you can mention them, the, the issues of uh, farms, the issues of uh, state enterprises and industries came to fore. 
that that government was accused of selling some of those assets. And so when even the military administration took over, it accuses defunct civilian administration. Then if you step that up again, and you fast forward that to the Fourth Republic, where we had the Fourth Republic starting from 29th of May, 1999, we also saw that at both national and state level, there have been accusations about whether people who got to office really were expected to go away with the assets that they left with yeah. at the end of their tenure. Mm. And you could see the back and forth about accusations. At the national level, the Obasanjo administration was accused. Yeah. At the state level, the Joshua Darie administration was also that accused at that time. So, really, transitions in this part of the world is more or less like when you are living, people tend to live with virtually everything that belongs to all of us. Mm -hmm. Are you expected to live with your official vehicles, for example? Are you expected to live with even the furniture in your offices? We saw in Imo State, for example, where they also accused the government previous administration of Rochas and Ayo Korocha of going with virtually everything in the government house, as if they are starting new. Then if you also step mm -hmm. it down to states like Plateau State, yeah. we knew that, yes, there were issues here and there with regards to whether certain individuals left. You remember when the uh, distinguished Senator Jonah David Jung administration left? Yeah. There were people who said that, no, the loans that were also given to Kekena Pep riders and other small, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurs right, with yes. regards to vehicles, mm -hmm. they were supposed to be inherited and continued by the successive administration in terms of accountability. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nobody was able, it was neither here nor there. And so some persons even went and changed the official colors of those vehicles converted them to their private use, and then it went. So clearly speaking, when you see transitions like this, you are, you are likely going to see the back and forth. Mm. Sometimes I pity new administrations that are coming on board because it's not going to be rosy. You find people that are tempering with government land. You have people that are tempering with official vehicles. You have people that are tempering with even assets that are owned in the name of MDAs in the state. Mm. And I will give you an example. Now, if you take, uh, I remember on the 11th of February, yeah. 2013, the former senior advisor to the then governor, said, distinguished Senator Jonah Jang, and that is uh, Yakubu Jang, the SA to the governor on special duties, told Plateau people that, look, when we were doing our job in terms of the biometrics, we discovered that there were ghost workers in the system. And he said, out of the total of 21,000 civil servants on the plateau, yeah. one out of four was a ghost worker. And he said that 25% of the total of that number was a ghost worker. Because apart from being an essay, I'm bringing this because it will form the conversation going further. Yeah. Because successive administrations were also expected to look at that. And he also accused some stakeholders at that time in government by saying that, yes, they distributed forms for people to fill. But they got only about 17,000. And then the wage bill also dropped to about 1.7 billion. And he said that persons that were in office before they inherited might have also contributed to these processes at the time of their transition. Because usually it is at the wee hours of exit that you find some replacement and recruitment yes. going around in the system. Mm -hmm. Thereby putting a lot of burden on the successive administration that was coming on board. Yeah. And so he said there was even a case of where we had a ghost commissioner on the plateau, that somebody promoted himself to a commissioner, and the mm. monies and the allowances were going, going to, to pocket of certain individuals. Mm. Now that administration came and passed. This one came on board and accused that administration and said, no, 
There were even ghost teachers numbering about 2,192 in the payroll of the civil service. Mm. And say, so what did they do about it? So they said that was part of the liability that they inherited, as it were. Now, this administration has spent its own better days yes. and is exiting. Mm. And we are seeing the same thing repeating itself. In fact, we are seeing cases of accusations that there have been secret replacements. We have seen protests in Plateau State Polytechnic, for example. Yes. Okay? We have also seen people say, no, the PDP has also issued a statement and said, we are aware of certain facilities Insult. that certain individuals are planning to, to, sell. To, to sell, confiscate and sell it to their cronies. We are also aware of certain vehicles, official vehicles, that they are also exiting with. So when you put all these things together, the question you should be able to ask yourself, because even this obsession has also said, no, there are cases of ghost workers in the system. So now they are exiting. Do you leave? When you leave JFM, for example, even though it's a private business, do you go with the microphone? I most likely will. Do you will. go with the, with the computers here? Yeah? Most likely okay? not, yes. So do you go with everything? The answer is no. If you go with these things, how do you expect the next person to hit the ground running? You're talking exactly. about 149 billion in mm. domestic debt that you are living for this government. You're talking about $3.3 million. Mm. Now when you so put that together, <laughs> you're talking about over 200 yes. billion. Yeah. For this administration to inherit. So it's not going to be rosy uh, because of this kind of thing. And I think the earlier we begin to check these things, the better. And how do we go about it? In the course of the conversation, we'll be able to look at how we can address you know, we some can of bridge these, these gaps. Um, I'm talking about that, let's just even get to the nitty-gritty of mm. that. Because when you look at it, I was looking at the... Um, is it sub-national audit efficacy yes, yes. of Plateau State? And I mm. saw a lot of disparities yes. when it comes to the numbers. Mm. Um, how do we bridge this gap? Mm. Um, the question I also want to ask is that citizens who, I want to narrow it down to yes. Plateau State because we are in Plateau That's State. Right. Are citizens asking the right questions? Mm. Are we putting our leaders to be accountable and transparent mm. to us? Because mm. when you are saying all these things that you're saying, the numbers that you're calling, I'm not sure people on the plateau yeah. even know these know these numbers uh, because they don't yes. they don't get information exactly. like abigail let me put it into context mm. and help to polish the issue now, i took a look at the budget i mean the auditor general's report yeah uh, 2021 uh let me bring out a lot of plateau people don't know and even persons who are going into government also need to know exactly uh, because intelligence plays a vital role in the way that you understand the workings of government mm. now the 2021 uh, you know, uh, MDA report by the Auditor General of Plato. And I put it in perspective in a very simpliciter sense. Now, the report presented uh, audited 36 MDAs on the Plato. 36 MDAs. Mm. Now, it may interest you, Abigail, and it may to know that out of that particular audit, nine institutions, nine institutions mm. were not audited at a certain period of time, according to that report. So the 36 that were audited were consistent with auditing. Yes. Then the nine, nine that were not audited were not consistent. Yeah. And I will give you an example. In that particular, particular report, there's College of Health Technology, Zawan. Okay. There's College of Health Technology, Panshin. In that particular report. They were not audited. Yes. Unaudited from 2018. Till you understand? Till mm. that period of 2021. 2021. Yes, yes 2021. A gap of about three years. Yes, or three years. Mm. Yes. There's College of Health Technology Panshin, College of Health Technology uh, Zawan, Plateau State Polytechnic, Kas Kurgui. Okay? Mm. Among the nine that were not audited. Yeah. Then if you go further and interrogate it, you see College of Nursing and Midwife Reform 
was not also audited. audited. Then if you also go through it, you begin to see other institutions that form of that, those particular uh, nine that I've mentioned. Mm. And then there's also the Community and Social Development Agency. In fact, it might interest you to know that even bodies that are expected to sanitize the state in terms of JMDB yeah. also yeah. suffer that, that problem. Then from 2003, that was the last time that the Plateau Publishing Company was audited. That's almost about how many years? More, More than, than decades. More than a decade. Yes. We are not audited mm. among those nine. Then it may also interest you to know in that particular report, there were also eight of them that never appointed even an auditor to look into their accounts for a long period of time. Eight of them. Mm. And what are those ones? The PADP is also in that category, as it were. The vocational uh, relevant technology is also on that particular list. Direct labor agency is also on that particular list because they tell you they never had money, including the Muslim Pilgrims Welfare Board. So if you are not auditing these things, I mean these institutions, and this is where Plateau people's hard-earned taxes are going into. Yeah. How do you know about the fiscal transparency and accountability in these institutions? Mm. Then if you also go down and look at the observations in that particular auditor's report, 2021, yeah. one of the things it says is that it observed that revenues also drop in institutions and nobody was putting an eagle eye in those institutions. They mentioned Plateau Specialist Hospital, that within a certain period, the revenue dropped. Okay? Yeah. From a certain percentage to a certain, in fact, it dropped from 18.4% to about 9% or thereabout. Then they also discovered that there were leakages in revenue. They discovered that parent ministries were buying vehicles, official vehicles, to their extra, you know, ministerial departments and agencies without requisite backup mm. in terms of Accounting. papers, okay, mm. Mm. in terms of backing documents. Contracts were awarded without following adequate procedures, and so on and so forth. They also mentioned the fact that there have been profligacy uh, in the system. For example, they mentioned the uh, water board treatment plants in Shandam. In Bokos, in Panshin, they say they bought chemicals, okay? But those chemicals, because there were no appropriate storage facilities, those chemicals were not adequately catered for. Mm. They also mentioned quite a number of issues as far as that report is concerned. So when you look at all these things and you put them in the same basket and you shake them, fundamentally you will be addressing the issue of wastages in the system. Mm. So clearly speaking, for me, I think that if you want to address the issue of fiscal transparency, yeah. you must be able to ensure that there is consistent auditing of the finances of government. And then not just auditing of these finances, there should also be an eagle eye in terms of whether persons that have been allegedly accused of misappropriating the finances of government are also made to face the wrath of government. Mm. Okay? So these are clear incidences. So I mentioned some of these institutions so that we can understand how bad the system is. And if you look into the books of these organizations, clearly it tells you that there has been a massive corruption. Mm -hmm. And these are things that you find previous administration or exiting administration handing over to other successive administrations. And you can't start on that particular dirty knot at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Because until and unless you clean the slate and you are able to ensure that the slate is clean, the other person that is coming on board cannot rewrite history by means of development. You are dealing with a budget that has already been passed, $139.9 mm. that was presented in November. And then you look at the budget again, it tells you clearly that uh, water, sanitation, and energy 
have the highest allocation in that budget. And yet you go around town and you are going to likely see a government that is going to hand over power, a dirty state, particularly the metropolitan, to the successive, successive administration. Yeah. So these are concerns. How do you breach it like you have asked? It is to be able to address it through the statutory auditing that we are talking about. Until you look into their books, you wouldn't know how dirty the books are at oh, the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. The numbers are alarming. When I look at mm. it, um, it's just something. Now, for citizens yes. right here on the plateau, before we mm. move on to the next um, topic yes. of discussion, how can they be a part of this mm. whole transparency and making sure that the, the government is accountable to them right here on the plateau? Yeah, well, you cover a lot of information and people are bereaved of information. What you have out there are rumors. Mm. and innuendos that play out that do not add up in terms of the transparency. And I said something initially. It is about availability and publishing of these uh, documents. relevant documents. If yes. you look at section 125 uh, of the 1999 Constitution, consonance with the rights of the Auditor General, it is expected that you are, you are to audit these accounts regularly and then publish it for the public to see. So if the public do not have this information, it's difficult for people to even raise issues. Mm. And that is why I mentioned some specifics here. Yeah. Okay, people need to know. And then when you have assets that are going to be handed over, you also need insiders, particularly the civil service, which is the, the, the bureaucracy, yeah. that is expected to take stock of what is left in the institution. So that by the time that you are handing over, you don't allow politicians to pilfer some of these issues, I mean, the assets that we are talking about, you don't sell this land to cronies. You don't sell these official vehicles to cronies. We've seen instances, allegedly, where even official vehicles' engines have been tempered with. And these are facts that we have. Yeah. We have records of some of these things. So clearly speaking, the role of citizens can only be seen where they have adequate and reliable information mm -hmm. to be able to interrogate the non-governmental organizations, the civil society organizations, an ordinary citizens like some of us, we also have a stake in this. Yeah. By the time that we bring out these figures, just like I've mentioned, I've mentioned some institutions of here. Course. And these are facts that are already published in the 2021 auditing report. And so these facts that we are presenting on the table is for the incoming government to know. Those that are going to take over power should know that in this particular ministry, this is the asset that is left yeah. that they are also going to take over. These are the liabilities. We shouldn't allow the liability more than the assets. We're talking about $33.3 million in terms of foreign debt. We're talking about 149.06 billion naira in terms of domestic debt. Yes. And these are things that we must be able to ask questions. We're living an 18 billion naira project which is being completed. Kudos to this administration with regards to the British-America junction. I, I, I want to ask, sorry to talk to you short there. Um, the, the project, though, you're talking about the project... Is, is it possible that in terms of project development, project um, approval, that we look at the pros and cons? In project management, before, you, before your project is approved, yes. they look at how much this project brings for us, what would we cost us, and the return on investment. Mm. In your opinion, do you think in terms of spending for projects, yes. we have been effective enough to build projects or do projects that, that have direct effects on us and the return on investments are more than what we invested, you know, in the project? Well, I think the average, the answer is going to be yes and no. And it's not going to be a yes or no question. Okay. And in some instances, we have made use of certain facilities that aid, you know, development in the state. Uh, but if you put it on a scale of 1 to 10, I will tell you that the level of ineffectiveness is almost like 6 over 10. Mm. And that is worrisome. Uh, and if you look at the figures that we have also seen recently, 
uh, and take the cumulative figure, and not just Plateau State. Plateau State about plus 55 in terms of the index with regards to borrowing uh, for projects. And so when you look at the cumulative figure, you are talking about uh, uh, $46.25 that was published recently by the Public Debt Office, <laughs> the Public Debt of, uh, Management Office, uh, $46.25 The federal government account for about 82% of that. The states account for nearly about 20-something percent. And so it also includes Plateau State. So the question you should be asking is, when we borrow money, does it have a direct bearing on three things? One, does it affect employment generation? Two, does it affect entrepreneurship in terms of generating the needed investment? Yes. You talk about FDI, for example. Yes. Uh, in the last uh, eight or more years, no single FDI has come to, to the state. state. No, mm. no single one has come to the state. So the question you should be asking is, what are the yeses? if you excuse the use of that in plural form of yes, yes. or the noses, if you excuse that in the use of no, yes. then you'll also see that what we have done is that we have robbed Peter to pay Paul, trying to make them look like peace choir, but we have divided them. <laughs> and what am I talking about? Number one, you can borrow money to demolish an entrepreneur that is supposed to generate money, money. for you. You have over one billion that was used to demolish a market. And as we're talking now, nobody can tell you who and who were responsible for pilfering the leftover in terms of the assets in yes, that particular market. Sure. As you go there, you can't find the remains in that particular market. So the administration has a question to answer. That is number one. From the citizens, not necessarily from the incoming government. We're going to ask those questions. Number two, you collected money. You want to finish the Josmain Township Stadium, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, as we are talking, the stadium is you pleading see? for attention. Yeah. So you, people are going to ask questions. When you collected that money, what did you do with it? These are a few examples. Then we are also going to ask questions. In the agri sector, you say you commissioned 400 tractors. Where, Where did the money come from? Where are the 400 tractors? Mm -hmm. We should be able to ask those fundamental questions. Then you will also go further. Monies were spent in rejuvenating the fertilizer and chemical blending company in Bocos. At what capacity is it working? Is mm. it producing fertilizer okay. as we're talking now? These sure. are fundamental questions. Sure. Then again, we should also be able to ask the question, yes, you have put a lot of money in turning around quite a number of infrastructures. How well are these infrastructures completed? Mm. You have almost about 26 legacy projects, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. How many of them have been completed? But if you flip on the other side and you look at the other side of the question, then you also say, yes, this administration has also done something. We have seen it. We have seen the longest bridge on the plateau that is constructed. I was there last week, Kalong Bridge in Shandam. You can say yes. I've been through the Laling Road to Mikang and Lantang last week. You say yes. We've seen the British-American junction being completed. You say yes. But what about the over $3 billion that you put into phases of streetlights? The first phase came, okay, and the second phase you say will pick up. The ones we are seeing on these roads with the 18 billion, is it part of the monies that were made from the first monies that you told Plateau people you are investing in providing these resources? So I think it is not about probing. It's about asking the right question. And if you don't ask the right question, it will look as if you are witch-hunting individuals. But people must live up to capacity. That if you have public trust and you are expected to execute it, you must do it with some level of seriousness 
and efficiency. And that is what fiscal transparency entails. All right. Um, before we um, have about, what, 30 minutes for the show, um, we have someone else with us here on, on, in the studio, um, DSP Alfred Alabo, PPR of police here in Plateau State. Um, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, the last time you were here, it was on election day, and you, I remember your words exactly. One of the things I picked from your conversation that day was that we should fight for our votes, and we saw Plateau people do that on the election ground. But um, recently, the last few days, um, the conversation obviously has to be the police. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to use the word feud, but correct me for, for, for lack of a better word. The, the supposed feud between the police and Keke drivers here in the States. And we um, saw stories of the unfortunate incident that happened at Bukharu Park. I wanted to get your take as a police CPRO. Are, are we, is the police equipped enough? I know you probably want to defend your people, but is the police equipped enough to handle issues like that? It's not the first time things like this are happening. It seems as though there is a, for lack of a better word, personal vendetta sometimes between certain police officers and certain KK drivers, and those personal issues spew over into the things we've seen. Mm. Are the police equipped to deal with these issues? The police are very equipped, and we are so equipped that we can be as professional as any police compared any in any part of the world. But let me say this. What you are saying is we don't have any feud with them. Okay. You know, we... And let me correct something here. Like what happened in town that led to the death of um, the young 17-year-old um, trader. The commissioner of police felicitates with the families and the people of that market and I think the entire plateau people. We are not happy with what has happened and that is why we have done everything we are supposed to do to ensure that the perpetrators of that were immediately arrested and the person that actually pulled the trigger that led to the death of this young man has been found out and the names are, going, his name is ASP Yakubo Alilu. is the PNG, the patrol and guard officer. Now, we did not have that issue with Keken Apep driver. That's a different issue. It is motorcycle riders. Okay. Motorcycle is banned in Josbukuru Metropolis. It's against the law for you to drive motorcycle. Now, you see, there are, when you commit a crime, there are people who have corrupt minds that, um, that succeed with the proceeds of crime. You know, so we, when, and when you do it flagrantly to the point that um, sometimes these people are just left, because no matter how you see it, in every society, there is this corrupt element that we want to tarnish the image of the majority who are doing the right thing. And most times when they do a lot of these things, their supervising officer don't even know about it because they don't bring it to the station. If they had brought it to the station, what is supposed to happen to you if I arrest your motorcycle? It should be seized and be given to the government. The government will tell us one day what to do with those motorcycles. The government have the right to do that. If they, can, if they will auction it to the people who are using, who it is not banned in where they are, in those local governments where it is not banned, they can do that. But they say, don't do this on the plateau, and you continue to do it. Now, if you meet those corrupt elements, they will take advantage of it and leave you, knowing that it is going to be like a cash cow. If they arrest you today, you pay small money. They will leave you tomorrow, and they will arrest you. 
and we will now say report these people the commissioner of police have said it times without number report these people to us they will not report because you know why they are not reporting by the time they report to us the commissioner of police will do the property he will arrest you discipline that police officer that you pointed he will arrest you take your bike from you and charge you to court for flouting the orders of the state government and that is why you see they don't report. So when they don't report, you don't have anybody to point. Then what you have is now rumor. Police, they collect money from motorcycle riders. Police, they do this. Police, they do that. Who did you point? Which police officer did you point that this police officer collect money? But because you know that plus the money that you paid, plus the discipline that the police officer is going to get, and plus the discipline that you are going to get as a result of the, of the already established law of the land, you will not report. And you will now go back and start and start um, tarnishing the image of the majority of the police officers who are doing the right thing. Point that one that is doing that thing to us and be ready. And we, we, we tell people, I was in my office one day, somebody called me and said, PPRO, please, uh, I beg, I just call you because they just arrest my motorcycle. I say, it's funny that you are calling me. Mm. I am here now as I'm talking, the DPOs, because I speak with the voice of the Commissioner of Police. So as I'm talking, the DPOs are sitting very well in their offices, trying to listen to what I'm saying and trying to ensure that they implement it the way the Commissioner of Police has sent me here to say they should implement it. Then you are calling me, the person that comes to speak for the command, to say you want me to help you to release motorcycle with which mouth. So this is what actually happened. People even call you to beg you to go against the law of the land as a law enforcement person. Now, if I have the, if I have the discipline to say no to you, it's not everybody that will have such discipline. You may meet somebody that may want to play in your corruption, play in your disobeying the government, but we will not take it. So we say, if these things happen, talk. On the one on Keke um, tricycle riders, the police officer is, enforced, is empowered to enforce all laws according to the police acts and regulation. Now, if we are empowered to enforce all laws, we are not empowered, for example, to collect revenue for the government. No. So if I arrest your kekena pep that you don't have a paper, what I can, the highest I can do is either charge you to court, the court will direct you to go and do what you're supposed to do. If it's with the VI or the road safety, you go and do it. And come back with that document and give the police, or Garcia, I've done it. it. Then let's see the police officer that will not let you go out of that police station when you bring the appropriate document. Because in the first place, that is why he arrested you. Now, why will you now ask him, Ogaya Zamui? So you two, you are like encouraging the corruption. You are suggesting the corruption to him. And if that man is not... So let's, let's come to the point where we... Where you arrest my vehicle, bar, or yeah, let's go to the station. You say no, no driver's license, bar or got pack it here. Am I supposed to write a statement? You, you, the citizen, do the proper thing, then break the arm of that corrupt police officer. Because when you are doing everything that is proper, he's not going to say, Ah, you're not going to even talk anything. Then when he don't tell you, you're not going to even talk anything. You can report that police officer to us and we'll deal with that police officer. So that is the difference that is happening. So we don't have problem actually with. With mot motorcycle is banned. Respect it that it is banned. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying it here to all our officers. If you arrest any motorcycle, the commissioner of police gave me that instruction. If you arrest any motorcycle and you release it back, you have the commissioner of police to deal with. 
All right. Um, lastly, because of our want of time, um, one of the things a lot of Nigerians have questioned, not just in Plasi, but all over the country, is the recruitment and training process of police. Um, yeah. Some say the process is very shady. Some say the training does not meet international standards. Mm-hmm. We also know that Nigeria is under-policed. It's not, it's not news based on you know, um, international recommendations. Mm. In terms of recruitment here in the States and training, do you think the police is doing enough? Or what exactly can we do to improve it? Because if you have certain like you mentioned mm-hmm. certain police of course we cannot read people of their personal convictions and attitudes mm-hmm. but one wants to believe that the training process should be able to meld, mold people to a certain level where certain things are almost or, you know, unbearable for them yeah. the recruitment and training process here in the plateau generally in the, in the country mm-hmm. how can we make it better well, a, a, lot of things have, a lot of things have been done to that effect to make it better but um when you say um, we are not trained properly, first of all, compared to what? You must tell us what you have seen and um, you must also be sure that you have our curricula that we use to train these officers. And But let me say something here. Um, training is expected to mold you for skill and for character. Yes. But the decision to exhibit your training and your character lies with you. Yes, you can pretend for the period while you are in training that you are a disciplined police officer, but the real test will come when we place you outside to deal with the members of the public. That is when we will know. So we know that there are these persons that we have trained that maybe either to, um, at, the, at the training level, they were very good. But when the temptation, because when you go as a the police, the security job is very tempting. You, you have the powers to, to arrest or to caution anybody who in your present or out of your present is committing a crime. You understand? Yeah. So somebody that has money more than you is committing a crime and you are supposed to take action. So that is when we will test your character. Are you getting it? Yes. Your training may not be the problem because you can decide to keep the training and your character will speak higher at that point in time. So it has to do with that police officer. Now, you see, there is also training while in training schools or in training colleges or in the academy. There is training while you are on the, the job. job. So the training for a police officer is a daily thing. Like in our system, we have our lectures that the DPO give the DPOs give, and the area commanders give to their personnel and other HODs on a weekly basis for every Tuesday. That is a police officer going to school for the rest of his life if he's going to stay in this job for 35 years. Are you getting it? Yeah. Then we also have us going to special programs. We also have your DPOs going to other programs and coming back to step down the program. I, I listened to somebody who said um, the police officer's training is only for senior officer. No, we can't remove everybody from the system that want to go and train them. We have already created a system by which we train these officers. We take very senior police officers from among them. We train them who come back to our police division, our other smaller formation, to step down those training to their personnel. So we have an already beautifully established structure on training and retraining of our officers. But that notwithstanding, some of them will not exhibit their training outside. Mm-hmm. Our plea to members of the public, this is why we say policing is everybody's business. Our plea to members of the public, when you see and when you notice 
that a police officer is doing something that is probably not wrong, uh, not right. Yeah. I have said it on this platform. Don't fight him. That is why I will, I will um, receive your calls to come on platforms like this. Mm -hmm. Don't fight him. Call us. When you call my phone number, when you call the police control room, you have already reported that incident to the commissioner of police. Call us. Let us know that a police officer is doing something that you are suspecting. Then if the police officer is not doing anything, maybe because of your ignorance, we will explain it to you and we'll move. Somebody called me, I think a few days ago, say, is he right for somebody to come to his house and pick something without informing me? I said, no, the person they came to pick is above 18. He's an adult. And they did not come to, they did not come for you. Are you getting it? Yeah. So they have seen the person that they want to pick. Sometimes in order not to further embarrass the owner of the house, we can't stay there and cause a scene and go and be knocking at your door. Then all your neighbors will now see police knocking at your door. Before you know, people will start saying something that will tarnish your image within that community. So we don't do that. Now, if this person has been removed and be taken to the police station, what you should do, look for that police station and go there and know what the person has committed. Don't ask me, it is right for a police officer to arrest anybody who they believe has committed a crime or who, they, who in their present committed a crime or who stand in a position as supposed that you want, want to commit a crime. So it will be, it will be brought in and, and be informed. And arrest is done in two ways. Sometimes it is done in the police station after you are invited if it has been proven that what is alleged against you is true. Mm. But if it is not proven, the way they invite you, that is how you will go. We should allow process to run. Here we don't like to allow process to run. We want to we want to we want to shortchange the process as it's going on. You say ah, I'm I'm wasting time. The police station is a place where you know the time that you are coming in. I'm very sorry to say this, but you don't know the time that you may live there mm -hmm. because it is called investigation. All right. Yeah. Okay, we'll open the phone lines right now for our callers to call and be a part of the conversation. Zero nine zero five five six 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 nine nine or zero eight one two one eight seven 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 seven. Those are the numbers to call to be a part of the show. And you can also head on to our Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash JFM Joss and on Twitter at JFM Joss. Head on there and drop in your comments and based on the conversation we're having this morning. We'll take this call. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning, my presenter. Morning, welcome to the show. What's your yes, name and where are you calling Saloki us from? From Bukulokos. All right, Saloki, go ahead. Yeah, my greeting to our officer at the station. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, sir. Yeah, I look for a triumph, but honestly, thank you, sir. To, but if I'm to call people, I'll call people when we testify that to my best knowledge. Mm. And the reason I'm not far fetched, you need to improve. Understanding the kind of people you recruit into police force. Yeah. Are you getting my point? The recruitment yeah, process yeah. is very, very important. You understand, I believe you are going to cross abroad. You see how they do the recruitment in any security department. They must track your past record. Mm. Are you getting it from your date of, not that they have data, from your date of birth to when you start, you to, they have all data. So you need to do your job in treating people better, not because uh, my father or my brother is a commissioner or is a position and I will give you the job. All right. I, I, I don't need to get a point. Mm. So if you push look in that issue of area of recruitment or taking people to security force because it is a job of integrity. All right, so that, lucky. That, Thank that, you so much. That is one. The thing you need to do again, 
don't let a putting uniform on the road. Put more people in a multi dress. If I'm going to commit a crime, I see somebody on uniform. You know, I will pretend I will not commit it. Mm. But if I if I see a multi dress, I will do what I want to do. And that person cannot commit a crime. I go arrest. I get my point. That is how you see people be able to attract criminals in advanced country. And lastly, you need to go into technology system or tracking criminals. You need to work on technology or tracking criminals. Because our, our technology is not good. You can imagine when the US came here to remove our daughter. All right, Salaki, so God, help us wrap up your thoughts quickly because uh, of our time. And they, they remove it. So we need to go into technology in terms of the criminal uh, tracking. All right, Thank, you, Thank you so much. The last call we'll be taking for today. Hello, good morning. All right, do well to call us back, 90 555 or 0812187777. Those are the numbers to call to be a part of the show. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Morning, welcome to the show. What's your name? My name where is you Mr. From? Tamano. All right, Mr. Tamano, go ahead. Um, I'm seconds, greeting uh, the PRO. Thank you very much. Good morning. Okay, morning, sir. God bless you, sir. I guess uh, I can speak uh, my language to greet you. and <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, my concern is, I don't know, I came into this place last last year. Honestly speaking, it's only in this plateau I found out that machine does not even have number, plate number to move around. You can just buy a machine and just write. And I don't know whether the police are looking into it, because, for instance, now, if you are going to arrest a machine, or if a machine is coming crime, at least you can able to get the number to know that you can trace, or this is the local government is and all that. Oh, yeah, it's not like that. The machine man even molests you or anything happens, he just drops you. There's nothing to identify with him. Now, like what happened in the terminal? That machine number, that machine, if assuming he has a number, they can able to trace the number if he, he has run away. And so, so many people are using that as an opportunity to do a lot of uh, havoc. So I don't know whether the police can able to maybe talk with the government or the local government should be able to know that if you are going to operate, now, this is in the uh, uh, locality. You have to have a number. I All remember right. I, from, I came from Kano. In Kano, that's how they used to behave. But today, if a machine is going to register a plate number 5,000 naira, my dear brother, I make an, uh, please calculate how much the local government will have, what the state government will have. And renew it every year, one month. And for security reasons, it will be a, a good help for we that are even entering it or using it somehow. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Do have a lovely morning. We'll take um, comments from our Facebook page before I ask um, Mr. Luca Pampi and the PPRO to respond to some of the comments. All right, on Facebook, Ayodele Agbabiaka says, I'm very sure society op- our security operatives are well trained on how to handle offenders, but some of them don't do the right thing. The police should try and help us trust them. Sokia Stong says, good morning. The government of the day is about to translate and hand over to the next government. Now, have they fulfilled their campaign promises? Is it in, is it in this line that they should all declare their assets for accountability and good governance? Sir, I feel that all police officers should always undergo psychological tests, drug tests, track record, and let us pray for a better plateau. Also here, Naomi James says... Um, is it constitutionally appropriate for the governor? This is a question to Mr. Pampi, I guess. Is it constitutionally appropriate for the governor to inaugurate a transition team without the inclusion of the team from the incoming government? 
What is um, Simon Bagola long hiding from Plateau people? On the asset declaration of public office holders, I see this as an exercise already dead on arrival because this is Nigeria where sound policies only exist on paper with no logical conclusion. Alex Ayuba, the people's speaker, says, Good morning, presenters. Transparency and accountability and responsibilities are the law of the dominity that determine your productivity. This administration is a war for Plateau, seeing the way and manner money is being mismanaged. Hope that the governor-elect will work hard to meet the laymans on the streets. And finally, for want of time, um, Chester Phillips says, The police should do something about your personnel posting a polo. Your personnel posting... Okay, I don't Posted to polo close to Mr. Biggs and Plateau Hospital roundabouts because they are collecting... Morning. There are other comments here, but we can't take any of them. So, um, final questions. Okay, finally, before we go, um, Mr. Luca Pampi, your final words before we... Uh, well, I think if I'm going to respond, uh, you know, I always say when the psychiatrist run mad, who treats the madman? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you have things that goes around and also comes around. Exactly. Uh, politicians like myself, when we want to empower citizens, we buy motorcycles and give them. Mm, and we expect them to ride it in heaven? <laughs> Certainly not. It's going to be in the town. The police does its own work. Uh, it's not the duty of the police to also say... No, we are stopping you. Theirs is to implement, <laughs> you know, to execute. They make arrests, uh, as it were. But I think, like uh, other callers have said, uh, it's a two-sided thing. Uh, you don't go to equity with dirty hand. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what uh, the police PPRO has been saying. Uh, because you know you have also skeletons in your cupboard. Uh, but, of course, I think that the way we have seen professionalism exhibited has also left a gap <laughs> It is not today that uh, motorcycles have been banned. <laughs> you know, uh, it's been banned for, for, for over a decade now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but because you allow them to fester, we also see policemen riding motorcycles. We don't know whether there are exclusions mm. for them. Mm. Uh, so I think society can do well if we contribute together. Yeah. Uh, you know, both the security agents as well as... He has said it, and that is very fundamental. There are bad elements among them. You can't run away from that. <laughs> there are bad elements. And they take advantage of that process... To be able to collect, uh, you know, because anytime they arrest you on the road, you want to give money. <laughs> you of know? Yes. Uh, because that's the only way you feel you can cover it. Because mm. crime, yeah. crime is meeting crime. Crime is meeting crime. Yeah. And so All when right. crime jump crime, definitely you crime, crime, but, uh, we, crime we, exactly. we take the upper so, so nobody <laughs> becomes clean as far as the system is concerned. So mm. I think that we can do more. Uh, kudos to the commissioner of police uh, that, yes, the publicity is going out there. Mm. But the citizens can also help to report, like we said. It's very fundamental. Put a call through, okay? Right. And tell them that this social so person is this. If you know that your hands are clean. Mm. Okay, because of our time, I would have asked you to say something, but we definitely have to go. We have to wrap up the show. This was Let's Talk on your Super Feel Good Radio Station, J101.9 FM. Till we come your way again tomorrow, do make sure you have a lovely day. And for Mimika. Stay out of trouble and spread love. Good morning. <laughs>